Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark, and this is a bonus episode in which I got the opportunity to have a brief chat with legendary artist John M. Burns about his work on 2000 AD, uh, but also his other comics. Um, This interview was arranged through the comic scene I Love Comics digital event on Facebook and I'm very grateful to Tony and Steve helping set it up. So without any further ado, here's John Burns. So I'm now delighted to be joined by an artist with a long, illustrious and award-winning career who's worked on Judge Dredd, Nikolai Dante and The Order, amongst many other titles. Uh, It's John M. Burns. A warm welcome, John. Thank you for doing this. It's quite okay. So, John, nice first of all, you. oh, thank you. It's it's a delight, and I'm very grateful for you giving up your time. Um, the first thing I normally ask people on their on this podcast is how they get into comics. I'm particularly interested in how you started out in comics, John. Um, what was your uh, way into the comics industry? Well, I could always draw, you know, but uh, I went to a tech school, Northwest Ham County Tech, and they had a peculiar system. They, you either did secretarial or art, and obviously I chose art. And our art teacher happened to be a, an ex-commercial artist. And he sort of wet my appetite for the sort of uh, commercial side of it, of art. And... Unbeknown to me, two years previously, Link Studio had got a young lad from our school and started him off on his career. And they thought after two years, they did it, used to do it every two years, um, they'd come back to the school and ask if there were anyone else that, that, that might be interested. And a friend and I went for the interview, and I suppose lucky for me, he was more interested in the advertising side, whereas I was more interested in the illustrative side. So uh, they offered me the the job, the apprenticeship, and uh, I took it. And the place I joined, Link Studios, was an actual art agency for freelance comic strip illustrators. And they also let desk space... So you had the artists working there and you were assigned to one and you looked after them, got all their reference, etc. that they wanted and they helped you in your drawing. Oh, right. Okay. Um, can you remember what was your first published works in comics? Oh, wow. <laughs> now you're asking. You, you, I suppose <laughs> the first thing I was... To help a guy called Bill Mannering, he used to draw Princess Anita for school friend. But he was also um, doing other work, and we worked together on a Brewer Rabbit pop-up book. So, you know, I coloured in and did bits and pieces for him. So I suppose that was the first thing that was actually published. Strip-wise... Oh, I can't tell you that. It's so long ago. And there's so many little bits and pieces from you helped other artists or while you were learning, of course. And to each agency thought perhaps you might be 
good enough to start your own or hold your own strip. And so we had a, a thing with uh, the Dundee um, DC Comics, and I think they they took on beginners because it was cheaper, and that's how you you started. You got one of their stories, and the studio, of course, helped you, and you took it from there. And it was up to you then to. Uh, sort of show your potential and if they liked it then you got a follow-up story and you maybe did a few more and then as the woman in charge d white was the agent she dealt with fleetway mainly though she did do dundee obviously and so they tried to get you a job down there but the first thing I did, I suppose you would say, was a strip for uh, DC Thompson's The Dundee. Right. And then, of course, in the 60s, you get to work on some very recognisable comic strips, working for TV Century uh, 21. And, of course, you also do... You had a stint on Modesty Blaze, I believe. You know, Modesty Blaze came at the end, really, of my... Or, or towards the end of my um, stint on newspapers. I mean, I'd been working on newspapers since 67, um, drawing the Seekers and what have you, know, various other strips. Uh, I got Modesty Blaze through Barden Agency. They contacted me and asked me if I would like to do it. Um <clears throat> So I did, and the paper sent me some original artwork, but it never gelled, and I, they kept finding fault with it until in the end they, they sacked me to got rid of me. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, there you go. That uh, often happens. And what about in the 1970s when you get the TV, more TV tie-in um, magazines like Look In and Countdown. How was it working with uh, you know the television characters and getting the likenesses for them? Well, I was introduced to these things. Countdown was because I knew the art editor. We'd worked together on the romance comics, and Look In was uh, one of those things. They just phoned you up. They see your artwork. And the, the editor at the time, I think it was a guy called Shelbourne, not quite sure, I can't remember, Colin Shelbourne, I think it was, he uh, phoned and asked me if I would be interested in doing a, a strip based on a TV character, and which I thought, well, you know, it's work, <laughs> so you've got to keep working. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. And it... One of I don't know if it was nineteen ninety nine, the space thing. Oh, I'm space nineteen ninety nine by Jerry Anderson. Uh, no, no, that was um, Thunderbirds. That this was uh, Countdown. Uh, Looking, I'm uh, sorry, Looking. They ran a TV series of nineteen ninety nine. You don't. <laughs> you're obviously too young. No, I remember Space nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, well. 
I knew the uh, the scriptwriter. Um, we'd worked together on Century Twenty One, uh, Angus Allen, and so uh, we got together on Looking TV Times, and it sort of just went from there. When that finally came to an end, they offered me Wonder Woman and various other bits and pieces until, uh, well, until 2000 came up. And by then I was sort of doing odds and sods for looking and other other people. Um, and so I moved over to 2000 and uh, the dreaded Judge Dredd. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find the transition to Judge Dredd and uh, the science fiction elements in that particular strip? Well, his his outfit was a bit sort of way over the top. And, I mean, really and truly, I was, I suppose I thought of myself as a sort of realistic artist rather than sort of these superhero type things. And to move naturally in his outfit was almost impossible. But uh, we managed, we got on with him, you know, and it's just a job anyway, so you've got to do it. You've got to bring in the money, unfortunately. And, I mean, your artwork is, to me, always sort of characterised by your, you know, beautifully coloured. What sorts of materials were you working with to do Judge Dredd strips? Well, I worked with uh, acrylic ink and acrylic paint and watercolour. And that's been what I've used all the way through. More When I first started out, it was more acrylic ink. But then it, I started to add the acrylic paint. And then I realised that those, and sometimes throw in a watercolour type uh, technique, um, it just rounded off the colour and helped. Right. And I don't know if you remember, but you've created one of the sort of iconic images of Judge Dredd um, from a story called Twilight's Last Gleaming, where he's sitting on his bike looking out over his city. Oh, the last frame, yeah. Yes. And I, I remember in the... Uh, when the Cartoon Museum in London had the 40th um, anniversary art exhibition, they used, I think, that image as one of the catalogue images. Um, I, can't, I don't know who owns that piece of artwork now. Do you remember producing that? It's the that? guy who, who organised the exhibition, actually. Oh, really? Right. Yeah, he bought it. <laughs> and do you remember that that piece? Oh, yeah, well, I, rem I don't remember doing the artwork as such, but I do remember that shot of him astride his motorbike with the uh, city in the background and his headlights blaring but um, the actual strip I'm afraid they all tend to merge into one when you look back on them and I guess you know at the time you had no idea it would become such an iconic moment for Dread and get reproduced so many times well I'd I don't think like that. I don't, in fact, when I approach these jobs, it is what it is. I don't get involved in it, you know, sort of psychologically or intellectually. I just do 
what the scriptwriter asks. And you just try and get in the, into the character. I mean, you don't look delve into his background, but the actual action at the time and the express, well, not that you can do much expression with Judge Dredd, um, you just work on, well, I just work on that and just do it. And that seems strange, but that's how I've approached all the artwork I've done. Because you get too involved and you can't do other work. And don't forget, I was doing a, a daily strip at the time as well. So uh, it didn't pay to get too involved. Was the was the daily strip a newspaper strip? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. Was I that, can't remember which one. It wasn't George and Lynn by any chance, was it? Quite possible, quite possible. Because, as I said in before, my one of my friends will be very upset if I don't ask you about your long stint on George and Lynn uh, for the Sun newspaper. The uh, the liberated couple, never afraid to be remove yeah. their clothes. Well, you know, I was in the Sunday Times offices delivering a job, a colour spread thing they wanted on the AA. And there was a guy in there in the office that I was introduced to. It turned out to be Conrad Frost, who wrote uh, the uh, George and Lynn. And he had an idea for a strip, but he was looking for an artist. It wasn't George and Lynn. It was another thing, another detective thing. But um, it didn't work out, really, because the main character was the car. It was a, 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 a... an American cord, very stylish looking thing. But anyway, it didn't work out. And then he came up with this idea of George and Lynn because he lived on the Thames on one of these islands. And so I suppose, you know, write what you know and you could see it all around him. Right. So we met then in the office. We went for a cup of coffee and we got together and we did what we did. But... I think I only ever met him in that length of time to when the George and Lynn series stopped twice. That's all. We never spoke about scripts as such. He just sent them. I just did them. And that was it. Simple as that. You know, this not becoming involved in sort of going too deeply into just doing what was asked. And I've always, as I said, worked like that. Right. And, of course, what was asked was often to have them without their clothes on. And you were doing this, as you say, a daily strip. Well, that, 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 the, the actual fact that they were sort of every... You just took every chance. That was the understanding. That given the chance, then you drew her and sometimes him with very little on. I mean, we used to get all sorts of letters, either complaining or cheering us on. I remember one, we got one, someone, I, I drew Lynn sat up in bed with her pyjama tops open and she had a ciggy in her face, I believe. And we got a letter from someone saying it reminded him of all the young married mothers on the estate where he lived. <laughs> well... 
you know, better not go on, better not further any communication with him, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> okay, let me turn you back to 2000 then from the Sun newspaper. You've mentioned Judge Dredd's costume being slightly challenging and difficult to create movement. What about when you started to work on Nikolai Dante? Was that uh, a more successful sort of strip for you from your point of view? Yeah, I, I mean, it's the only one I've ever actually asked the editor, could I have a try out on it, have a go at it? And uh, it seemed to work. I, I knew what I wanted to do with it, I, the costume-wise, because... Having seen, um, I think it was Don Lawrence's Trigon Empire, and he based a lot of the outfits on the Roman Empire. And so I thought, well, it might sort of work if we, we tried the Napoleonic times, the wars. Um, Simon Fraser had already sort of half done that in some of the outfits he, he got Dante to wear when he created him. But I think I just pushed it on till further, till it was out and out sort of Napoleonic War um, uniforms, except for when we had a little bit of uh, science fiction creep in. And it always seemed like a 19th century strip set in the future. Was that, I mean, you've mentioned a Napoleonic War and the costumes... Um, is that something, the costumes from those eras, is that something that particularly interests you? Well, I, I like drawing the costumes because when the characters are stood around not doing anything, then you've got something to sort of get into. People have got something to look at rather than someone just in a, a bland suit. And so it, it sort of worked, especially in this case with uh, the Dante. But it also works on just about any other thing. I remember when I was in the Link Studios as a, a junior, used to be an artist come in, and Will Fife, his name was, and he used to draw beautiful, really, really beautiful coloured or painted, beautiful color, uh, historic scenes. They were really great but he could not get his head round the modern dress. And so I, I thought, well, stick with the costume and no one will ever know how old you are or you can't do it. But, uh, of course, I'm joking, really, because I spent years drawing The Seekers and uh, various other strips, which were all in modern clothing, for then, anyway. And you produced the most wonderful, colourful, painted artwork for Nikolai Dante. And there's, sort, as you say, the Napoleonic look, this very dashing character who's going through quite a lot in the strip. Um, you know, one of 2000's most memorable characters that you've had such a big part in. Is, is that the one that you most enjoyed doing for 2000? Uh, Dante, yeah, obviously, because um, it had everything I had. I mean... I'd met a couple, Robbie a couple of times, the writer, um, not too often to get involved too deeply, but uh, he knew what I liked to draw, 
and he would put it in his strip and it, it just worked. It, uh, what, what more can you say? You know, th- there was no great um, mystery about it. He wrote good scripts and I tried to do it as good as best I could. And he, uh, of course, you go on to work with Robbie Morrison to co-create another very um, contemporary strip, the Vendetta y Vendetta. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and was that something that I think he created that specifically for you to uh, illustrate? Is that right? You know, I, I'm afraid I wouldn't know that, but uh, I enjoyed drawing it. So perhaps he did, right. knowing him. And more recently in 2000, of course, you've been doing The Order, that strip about uh, a sort of conflict between worm... Yeah, don't ask me to give you an outline of the storyline because I haven't got a clue. <laughs> Worm-like aliens and a robot who may save us. But, of course... Yeah, I, I'm not so fond of having robots around there because it's very difficult to draw when you've got 20-foot characters mixing with sort of ordinary people. Um, you you can't always sort of, well, you, you have to, but it makes it very difficult to work out some of the uh, compositions for the frames when you've got this really contrasting height of the characters. What about the costumes? Is that something you enjoy? Because it's a very period-set piece, although it moves about in time. Well, I... I don't mind drawing the costumes. I mean, they're they're no problem because I've got lots of reference. And if you're really stuck, you just look for a DVD based roughly on that period of time and you'll get to see how they wear the clothes, how they move in them and what they look like when they're moving in them, which is very important. So there's no problem there at all. Colour-wise, well, you make your own colours up. Right. And if you don't, I shout to the wife and she shouts the colour back. And if I think it'll fit, I'll use it. Fantastic. And, of course, I think the order will be returning to the pages of 2000 AD, possibly this year. Um, Yeah, we do roughly, it works out about one a a year because there's 12 episodes and... I do other work as well, obviously, bits and pieces. So we try to get sort of one a month. So it gives them, it and speeds up a little towards the end. And then they have the whole thing ready to go. Is the Are you working on the order for 2000E at the moment, producing? Yeah. 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 I can't give it away to you, no. the storyline, because I don't understand it. <laughs> It gets very complicated, and even I have to sort of check what I'm doing. So, John, you've been very generous with your time. We've had some problems with the connection. Um, yeah. I know you've done a piece of artwork recently, which is the cover of a Flintlock comic, issue five. Oh, yeah. Um, Dave Morris asked me if I would do it. I knew him from the conventions, the comic conventions, and uh, yeah, I said I'd, I'd think about it, and then I thought, well, it's not, you know, it's 
not going to take that much time of my time. And though it might not pay for the prices I normally charge, I thought, well, I'm going to enjoy it because I'm doing it really on my ground, you know, my own terms. And uh, so hence one cover for them. He's asked me to do another one later on sometime, and if I've got the time, I'll do it, simply because it's sort of a nice break from the blinking worms and what have you <laughs> from 2000. So draw in highwaymen, or should I say a highwaywoman um, and a maiden on the cover. That was not too much of a hardship for you. No, no, I don't mind drawing those sort of things. They're easy. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the original artwork and pieces like that? Are you still selling pieces? I do sell, yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I think I heard that somebody's already bought that particular one. I'm not sure. But uh, if not, it's for sale. <laughs> right. Okay. Fantastic. And can you tell us, can you tease us, anything else you're working on at the moment that we might see coming up? Uh, no, but, uh, you know, you can always buy the book they did on me, about me, John Burns artwork from, uh, uh, oh, God, I forgot the publisher's name. Um, the Book Palace. Right. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't, John. I shall have to seek that out. Yeah, it's um, it's a retro, obviously. Um, they they couldn't obviously get everything in, but they got some of the past stuff that I've done in. So it, uh, it's interesting. It's let's put it that way. It's interesting. Worth a look. Okay, I shall put a link in the show notes for this podcast episode when it comes out, John. Um, okay. Well, it's been fantastic. I'm very grateful to you for giving up your time this Sunday evening to chat about your uh, wonderful career. Um, if we look back, what would be your favourite thing you've ever worked on, would you say? Oh, gosh. One of the most interesting ones I worked on was for the German newspaper called Bild, B-I-L-D, and that was a, a girly strip called Lily and they used to see it was a sort of smile a day type thing they were I suppose a little like girl chat over here or Jane and they just sent reams of these jokes or daily jokes which I had then turned into the daily strip and I sent that off and they they published it you know never had contact with anyone other than the fax machine spewing out these reams of jokes every sort of couple of weeks and I just looked through them the ones I thought were interesting to draw I decided I chose and did those nobody ever said you've got to draw this one it was just left that to me and it was great Fantastic. I shall look out for it, and I shall look out for your art book as well, John. Um, oh, good. <laughs> so we look forward to seeing you back in the pages of 2000 AD. Um, please check out Flintlock issue 5 for that wonderful cover you've done. And I just have to say, 
on behalf of all the 2000 AD Judge Dredd and particularly the Nikolai Dante fans, John, I just want to say thank you for your fantastic work. It's been such a such a joy over the years. Well, it's been the same for me. So uh, I think we've both uh, come out on top. Excellent. John M. Burns, thank you so much. Cheers, India. Thanks, then. You take care. And there you go. Thank you so much to John for giving up his time. Thank you for Tony Foster from Comic Scene Magazine and to Steve Tanner from Time Bomb Comics and Flintlock. Check out the details in the show notes. And thank you for listening to Mega City Book Club. As ever, find all the details at megacitybookclub.com. Follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Spotify and the 2000 forums or get in touch by emailing mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time when we're talking about another great book, it's goodbye from me. Wow. Wow. Wow.